every single marketer and every single brand should be attempting to earn a disproportionate share of conversation. If you work for an organization where they say, bring us a chart that goes up and to the right, you have a challenge. Half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. The trouble is, I don't know which half. I am here to inspire you, to excite you, to motivate you, to transform you, to energize you. Hello and welcome to Pipeline Visionaries. This episode features an interview with Esther Mariah Tejeda, the CMO of Anywhere Real Estate Inc., a leader of integrated residential real estate services whose portfolio includes some of the most recognized brands in real estate. In this episode, Esther Mariah discusses how marketers should consider themselves business psychologists and need to work to understand the unconscious emotional and behavioral drivers of their consumers. She shares how she's creating emographic personas through incorporating neuroscience research. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Qualified. If you're a revenue team that runs your business on Salesforce, Qualified will accelerate your lead generation, pipeline, and ultimately revenue. Learn more at qualified.com. And now, please enjoy this interview between Esther Mariah Tejeda, CMO of Anywhere Real Estate, Inc., and your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Pipeline Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspine Studios. And today I'm joined by a special guest, Esther Mariah. How are you? I'm well, Ian. Thank you for having me on. Excited to have you on the show. Chat marketing, chat pipeline, chat anywhere in real estate and everything in between. And today's episode is always brought to you by the great friends at Qualified. You can go to qualified.com to learn more about how you can have really fast conversations on your website with your ideal customers. EM, let's get into it. How'd you start in marketing? So that's actually quite a funny and non-direct story. So I had no intention of going into marketing. I actually thought I was going to go to law school and took a gap year between undergrad and, you know, getting ready for law school, went to work as an analyst on Wall Street, and I worked for Standard & Poor's. And it was a very financial service, you know, white shoe firm kind of culture. This is early 2000s to date myself. And I realized very quickly, by very quickly, I mean, probably the first day that the culture and the environment and just the tone of the whole place was not for me. And so every day I was riding into my office. I was living in Brooklyn at the time. I was taking the train down to Wall Street. I was wearing the, you know, the typical financial service Wall Street analyst uniform of the trousers and the button downs that are tucked in and pencil skirts and the whole nine yards. And I could not have been more miserable. And so I had this moment of epiphany on the train ride one day where I said, I really feel like I'm in a costume and I really feel like I'm living someone else's life. This is not remotely what I want to be doing. And so to make a long story short, I got into throwing events on the side as a way to make additional money as a way to have a lot of fun. I had a lot of friends, it was very social. And I quickly realized I could monetize my social circle by doing club promotions. 
And so club promotions led to this other idea of doing experiential marketing. In other words, creating these events from scratch for brands instead of doing them for clubs. And so next thing you know, I am at Ogilvy taking on my first proper marketing job, working for British American Tobacco as my first ever client. And so the next 20 years has really come from this inflection point of being on that train that morning uh, down to, on my way down to Wall Street and realizing I have to find something else to do with my life that is more connected to who I am as a person and is more, more connects the left side of my brain, with my, the right side of my brain. And here we are. And I'm so glad you did. I couldn't imagine you in Wall Street. Uh, the mar- <laughs> marketing, could I. Marketing, <laughs> marketing needs you. Yeah. So flash forward to today. Tell us what it means to be CMO of Anywhere. So Anywhere is the one of the leading residential real estate companies in the U.S. Many folks won't know us as Anywhere unless you happen to be in the business of residential real estate. But most people do know our global brands. And those include Sotheby's International Realty, Corcoran, Coldwell Banker, Century 21, Better Homes and Gardens, ERA. And we are also in the business of title and insurance and, and mortgage and corporate relocation through Cardis. So it is a full service residential real estate corporation that is really in the business of transforming the way that we think about housing and the way that the housing transaction works and finding ways to make that much more simple for buyers and sellers, agents and brokers with the smart and deliberate use of technology where that makes sense. And having such a huge portfolio of brands that everybody knows and loves, how does that change how you think about marketing? So marketing has evolved greatly in the past two decades or so that I've been in the business. I mean, as I mentioned, when I first started, I was working on tobacco brands. Then I went to work on wine and spirits brands at Pernod Ricard on the agency side and at Diageo. And I was working on Johnny Walker and Stoli Vodka and Smirnoff and Guinness and, you know, quite a few other big global brands. At that time, marketing was really about brand awareness, engagement, brand health, lots of PR, right? And, and, and being at the center of the conversation, especially in these industries where above the line advertising was really difficult to do because of the regulations mm-hmm. in the industry. So really learning how to think about marketing with a very scrappy mentality and how to approach this engagement question and the brand awareness question without breaking any rules, obviously staying legal, but also being really creative about the strategy. And so over the years, we've seen as the industry has evolved, as human beings and our behavior have also evolved in response to the world around us evolving. It's this perfect kind of trifecta of change that has been going on for the past you know, two decades, really since the beginning of the digital transformation of our lives, of society. And so what we see now in marketing is it's gone from this really heavy focus on awareness and advertising, experiential, et cetera, to now be a really technical, digital first, 
business and discipline that requires pretty significant understanding of data and analytics and much deeper and much more precise understanding of consumers or customers in order to get to the end result, which is ultimately and has always been about driving business growth. All right, let's get to our first segment, the trust tree. With the knowledge you've been given, you are now on the inside of what I like to call the circle of trust. What, I thought we were in the trust tree in the nest, are we not? Where we go and feel honest and trusted and you can share those deepest, darkest marketing secrets. (laughs) Obviously, a lot of different brands, a lot of different customer types. Who are your customers? How do you think about your customers? I think that's a great question. And that's something that is actually evolving in the trajectory of the company and the business. I think first and foremost, our customers have always been agents, brokers, franchisee owners and affiliates, folks that are licensing our brands, agents that we're recruiting into the network, brokers that we're recruiting into our network across all of the brands. What we're now understanding, and I think really doubling down on, is that buyers and sellers are also our customers, even though it is a B2B2C model. And so in order to continue to be successful and to future-proof our business and to transform the industry, truly, we have to start centering that customer-consumer buyer-seller experience and evolving that to meet the expectations of consumers in today's day and age, which are very, very different from the expectations of consumers even five years ago, let alone 10 years ago, let alone 20 years ago. And so there's a pretty large gap right now in the industry that anywhere as the leader is in a really unique position to be able to solve, which is how do we then think very differently about how the average buyer and how the average seller approaches a housing transaction, Hmm. how they become educated on the housing transaction, how they engage with a broker or an agent to list their home or to buy a home. And then what does that process from being under contract to actually closing on a home look like? And in what ways can we make that less complicated, less stressful, and less disparate, which is the feedback about the the process today that we're hearing loud and clear from consumers? So we need to solve that and think about the business of housing really holistically. And all of those people that I mentioned that are involved in the transaction are all our customers in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, it, it's it's such a fascinating, such a fascinating company, but also su- such a fascinating problem to solve because real estate is so multifactorial. Buying a home comes down to things that are so macro, things that are outside of anyone's control, then down to things that are so incredibly micro, like hey, are you on the sunny side of the street or the shady side of the street? Or, you know, like, or things like, is this the right walkway that I want to have? Or or is there a possibility to expand or to grow? You know, like, there's so many different things there. And I think that you nailed it is just there's so much uncertainty with the process. And back in the day, you just did whatever your real estate agent told you to do, (laughs) you know? You're like, that's right. You're, you're actually raising a couple of really interesting points. And I love this conversation because 
it really gets to the core of what it is that we're trying to solve. Number one, it is my belief that a lot of the decision-making from a buyer and seller perspective that happens on housing is emotional and largely unconscious, right? And I think the decisions that we see people make around what house they buy, what house they don't buy, are largely post-rationalized decisions to make their gut reaction to the house make sense after the fact, right? And so to be really successful marketers in real estate, you have to first truly understand that a lot of the motivation in the customer journey and the consumer journey comes from deep, deep inside. And it comes not from the rational thinking mind, but somewhere inside their, their emotional makeup and what I like to call their heart set. I mean, how many times have we seen, have we experienced, have we witnessed, have we heard of a family coming into a home that they're viewing for purchase and they have this magical moment where they imagine their family, their kids, you know, having breakfast at this breakfast nook, playing in this perfect backyard, and they fall in love with the house. And we hear this whole thing around falling in love with the house. And that is a completely emotional thing that has happened. And then that family will go back and rationalize, how do they make that purchase make sense? You know, it might be out of the zip code that they want. It might be a little bit more expensive than their budget. It might not actually be the school district that they want to be in, but they have fallen in love with the house. And so they're going to make that make sense for them in some way, shape or form. And we see those type of choices happen over and over again, which really leads to my hypothesis that a lot of the decision making that happens in, in real estate and other industries, really, I think across the board, have more to do with the consumer heart set than it has to do with the consumer's mindset. Although we like to believe ourselves as people and as consumers as being primarily rational, we don't really see that coming to life when we look at consumer behavior overall. The other point that you made that I want to just touch on quickly is around who's the expert, right? It used to be the case, not just in housing, but in anything, buying a car, buying a new refrigerator, buying a pair of sneakers, that when you went into, you know, I'm going to date myself, nobody beats the whiz to buy a refrigerator in 1997, the expert on refrigerators was the person at Nobody Beats the Whiz who was going to talk to you about the Whirlpool versus the Samsung versus the Frigidaire and was going to educate you on what is better for your, for your particular set of needs, etc. We are now in a completely different set of circumstances for consumers because so much information is available on the internet that now the consumer believes themselves to be the expert and wants to do all of that education and quote unquote research online independently and in a way that they believe is unbiased. And I'm putting that in huge air quotes because we don't really know that it's unbiased, but that's the consumer perception. So that by the time they get to Best Buy in 2023 to buy their refrigerator, they already have narrowed it down to two or three options and they're really there to make this quick decision. And they're not really looking at the salesperson as the, as the gatekeeper of all of the trusted information. They're really looking at the salesperson as a transactional partner to help them get across the finish line. And that is a completely different set of customer expectations 
that we have ever dealt with as marketers and salespeople and business people in the past. And so the entire business of marketing has to shift to understand that that shifted consumer behavior means the way we approach consumers must also evolve. The way that we engage consumers must evolve. The experience must evolve. And what actually happens at actual point of sale has to evolve because the consumer is coming into the experience with a very different mindset. Yeah, I love it. I I couldn't agree more. I I bought a house like a year and a half ago almost. And like, fortunately, our our agent, shout out Rosie Nessie there, is, is like, is the best. And it was because she could see the things that we couldn't see, which is, hey, in the, I've told this story on the podcast before, but when, okay, when you walk in the home, you're going to want to look at this and then you're going to want to put your bag here and then you're going to want, you know, and then you, you have a, I have a two and a half year old who was, you know, one at the time, you're going to want to be able to walk over and put your kid here and make dinner while he's here and not want to have it be over here. So this house is great. Or, Hey, this house looks really good staged like this, but it isn't going to live like this at all. And all of your crap is going to be on the dining room table all the time in the middle of your house. And it's going to drive you crazy. And just like those, you know, those sort of next level things. I think it just speaks to that in any sales situation, the person who is more informed is better off. And as marketers, we need to inform our, you know, our customers, which is much information that they can make those decisions and our sellers so that we can have them make decisions as well. That's right. And I think the, the the name of the game is the appropriate level of education that puts the consumer in the driver's seat so that when you go into a house and you have this fabulous agent who's helping you to understand the experience of living in that home, right, you feel so empowered and you are really getting the tools and the information and the guidance that you need so that you become the expert and you're able to make the right decision for yourself and your family. And what we're trying to introduce through this transformation work at Anywhere is that plus all of the different ways that technology, tools, products, services, apps, et cetera, can support that journey so that when you do finally pick the house that you want, The process of getting from the contract to the close is just much more seamless. I know you've been through this recently, so I know you know what I'm talking about, the process of getting the housing inspection done and then getting title insurance on the house and then going to get an appraiser to come and take a look at the house and trying to negotiate all of these things at the same time as one individual entity with some support, obviously, from your agent who are really the backbone of this industry, but wanting to also feel like you know what's going on, right? And, you, and you're and you ultimately project managing this yourself as the buyer or largely as the seller. And so how can technology make that process less cumbersome and less heavy for the buyer and the seller? And there's there's a lot of opportunity to make that a reality. And those are the things that we are actively exploring as a business, which I'm, I happen to be super excited about. For us to be successful at driving revenue and growth through marketing, we have to take a 360 degree approach to our strategy and understand with serious granularity how all of those different parts of the whole create the entire funnel. Right. And so 
it is B to B and it is B to C. And only by thinking about those things in a very integrated way, can we drive the results that we want to drive for the business? If I'm only to focus on B2B and I'm recruiting agents and I'm selling franchises and I'm recruiting brokers, but I'm not supporting the process of actually selling a home to a consumer, they are not being set up to succeed. And by they, I mean agents and brokers, right? The folks that we're recruiting. If I only focus on B2C, it's a completely different business model because anywhere itself doesn't sell the home, our agents and our brokers are selling the home. And so we need to have all of these things working in a very beautiful choreography that is strategic, that is sound, and that ultimately focuses on a single thing, which is driving growth from all of the different economic touch points in our business to get to the bottom line, which is more housing, more successfully closed housing transactions, more franchise sales, happier agents more engaged brokers and consumers that are reporting on a housing experience that is positive and that they would recommend to their neighbor, to their friend, or to their family member. All right. Any other thoughts on sort of marketing strategy or how you go to market to your customers? So the interesting thing that we're doing now that I I think is the next frontier for all marketing, regardless of industry, is emographics. And so this is something that I have been grappling with and unpacking and building brick by brick because it's something that really doesn't exist yet and I think it should. And so what I mean by that is historically, as marketers, we first really looked at demographics. That was the way that we understood customers. That's how we segmented. That is how we targeted to whatever extent we were targeting at that point in our marketing journey. And then we moved on to what at that point was the cutting edge, which was psychographics. And then we started building personas, build based on psychographic mindset cues, right? Things people like, things people do, things people don't do. This is a person that is like this. This is a person that is not like that. And we would craft these personas that would become, again, our segmentation vehicle for targeting and what we consider to be precise marketing at the time. What we were asking when we were looking at demographics and psychographics is the what of people. What is this person? What does this person do? Where does this person live? What, 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 what? We have always thought that we're asking why, but the question that we're asking and the way that we're segmenting actually doesn't tell us anything about the why. It tells us all about the what. Totally agree. Yeah. So the next layer of this is let's let's be serious as marketers about our endeavor to understand the why. This is what we've been talking about, certainly as long as I've been in the business. Why is that person the way that he or she is? Why does that person like this versus that? Why does that person spend this many hours watching this type of content versus another type of content? And what I have been doing is doubling down on that question through neuroscience research. And we have been really trying to get to the unconscious emotional makeup of consumers that set up their predisposition to like or dislike and to behave or not behave in particular ways. So I call that the layer below the things that we are already measuring. And it's based on this premise that 
over 95% of our human behavior is actually rooted and driven by unconscious emotions that we're not even aware of. So it's not stuff that I as a consumer would be able to articulate in a focus group. It's not things that I would be able to, as a consumer, articulate in a survey. And so it is our job as marketers, if we think about ourselves as business psychologists, right, to get further down and deeper into that mindset, to get to the heart set, to understand those things. And that's really what this is about. And so in creating these emographic personas, which is what I'm doing through neuro, like I mentioned, I'm trying to get to why people operate how they operate, why people think and like what they like, and then marrying that data with the psychographic data and with the demographic data, this combination of things becomes this kind of much more sophisticated trifecta of information that gives me a much clearer picture of who my customers are. And now with that, deeper understanding, more precise segmentation that really takes into account the emotional state of people. And I don't mean this in like mumbo jumbo, you know, fuzzy, warm feelings. I really mean like, this is, this is an anxious person. This is a person that is deeply insecure and needs these kinds of drivers to, to feel secure. And that's going to be an important part of our messaging strategy. Or this is a person that is operating on fear, or this is a person that is operating on aspiration, right? And so how mm -hmm. we go to market those different people is really, really different. That plus psychographics plus demographics allows us to get much, much closer to the core of our customer behavior, which in turn means we could be much more precise and deliberate in how we market to those folks and where we spend our money and how we craft our content and our messaging and our creative and how we can drive the business outcomes that we're ultimately tasked with driving. And let's get to that money spending right now. Let's go to our next segment, the playbook. This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. Where you open up the playbook and talk about the tactics that help you win. What are your three channels or tactics that are your uncuttable budget items? Oh God, this is a hard question. So I think that, like I mentioned before, I think marketing is about choreography and it is about really smart integration. So mm -hmm. when you lose something, when you, when you take something out, the whole system suffers in some way, shape or form. But if I were to pick the three things that I would build as my foundational pieces for any marketing strategy, it would number one, by and large, be research and insights. Hmm. You can't build anything without having the research and insights to drive the decisions that you're making, the strategies that you're building, and to understand the ecosystem that you're that you're entering into as a marketer and as a business leader. So that's number one. The second thing I would absolutely invest in is strategic planning. So taking those insights and creating thoughtful and deep perspectives on how to grow the business. And so strategic planning is a thing I think the industry, marketing industry, suffers from a little bit. I see a lot of focus on go-to-market, a lot of focus on campaigns, 
a lot of focus on just doing action items and getting things out there and turning channels on and off and pressing all the levers for delivery. But none of that works without having a strategic plan first and foremost and having the insights that are driving that plan even behind that. So those are, those are two things. And then the third thing is measurement and analytics. I think marketing has still a long way to go in terms of the branding of itself as a growth driver and a revenue generator. And part of the reason for that is that we've historically looked at or been thought of as cost centers because we have lacked as a discipline, the ability to measure and to have ROI analysis that really ties our work to the business strategy. And so that as the third thing that is an absolute must for me is critical because Mm -hmm. it gives us the permission as marketers to continue to do what we're doing and to have a seat at the table and to be part of the larger business strategy conversation. Without having those analytics that support that connection, we really go back to being an arts and crafts function and a cost center for, you know, for the average CEO and the average executive suite, which is where we do not want to be as marketers. Yeah, I, you know, couldn't agree more. What's something that you don't see working that you're, that you're not going to be investing in or something that's, that's, I know you don't want to cut anything, but the, the, the most cuttable thing. Well, I'll go back to the insights. I think the most cuttable thing is go-to-market campaigns and strategy where I don't have a clear understanding of what is the strategic hypothesis behind what we're doing, right? And so having to have that diligence is just paramount to having successful work and also, again, being able to connect the work back to the business agenda. And so I think a lot of times where marketing struggles is maintaining that connectivity to the business agenda and being very active in the business of going to market and executing short-term campaigns with short-term goals that ultimately are not laddering up to the overall needs of the business and instead are trying to hit on immediate quarter-by-quarter micro-goals And it's very hard once you get into that universe to get out of that. And so if we could all as marketers avoid that trap and just always keep our eye on the prize and be looking at the macro business problem that we're here to solve, we would all be better off for it as a discipline. And two, I think we would just be hugely much, much more successful delivering the results that our CFOs and our CEOs expect and want to see. What about that experimental budget, the little extra 10% that you have tucked away for something crazy? What do you what do you want to spend it on next year? What are you thinking about debating that you want to spend it on for your experiments for next year? More research. More research. One of the things I'm introducing now for 2024 is user testing for marketing deliverables. I know we all do testing. User testing is very common in product user testing is very common in UX and UI, but we should be taking that same exact approach to our creative. And I don't just mean A-B testing and things of that nature, but let's user test against real people. How are they experiencing our campaigns? How are they experiencing our websites? How are they experiencing our mobile apps? 
you know, how are they in real time experiencing even something like their agent experience, their broker experience? How are our agents and brokers experiencing our products? How are they experiencing the marketing that they get from us? We need to test that. And we need to test that in a very academic, rigorous way, because ultimately everything that we're doing is about meeting the needs of a user, whether the user is our agent customer, our broker customer, our franchisee customer, or the buyer and seller customer. It's all in service of that person. So we need to be getting real-time feedback from whoever our customer is in that particular example for that particular deliverable to continue perfecting what it is that we're building. And so if I had extra dollars coming down from the sky, I would, I would implement, I would implement like a full service user testing initiative across all of my touch points and all of my customer experience journeys and channels. You have a favorite campaign that you've run? I will tell you my favorite campaign of all time was Captain Morgan running for president in 2008. <laughs> That's so good. And it was a really fun one. And so we were, we actually went out to the DNC, to the Democratic National Convention and the RNC, uh, the Republican National Convention with Captain Morgan. And we got petitions signed to put him on the official ballot. There was a ton of PR. This was really at the beginning of social media. So think MySpace. So there was a lot of content coming up on MySpace and it became kind of, a viral sensation. Oh my God, it was great. And that was, I think, one of the most fun and interesting campaigns I have ever worked on and really also set the bar for out-of-the-box thinking and tremendous creativity. I love it. That is so awesome. That's cool that, that you were working on that. That's fun. Yeah, that was um that was Diageo. And it was again, this goes back to like being being below the line. You can't just run the, this sort of standard plays that like any CPG company would, would run or like McDonald's or Nike or anybody else because it's regulated, it's wine and spirit. So mm-hmm. you, as a person who grew up in these highly regulated industries, like I said, tobacco, wine and spirits, first and foremost, the default setting was what everyone else does doesn't work. Nothing off the shelf is going to work here. So you have to come into the conversation already knowing that there is no playbook and we are Mm -hmm. building from scratch and you have all of these challenges and obstacles that are working against you, things that you absolutely can't do, can't touch, can't even contemplate. And so with what you've got, what can you do? And so that scrappiness has really become like a foundational piece of who I am as a person and also how I approach all of this work. And that's why I've been in the business of transformation work and coming into companies like anywhere that are in the business of taking something, making it better, or, you know, in, in other roles, taking things that don't exist and building them or taking things that are on life support and resuscitating them. And it really all starts from that beginning experience of being in outside of the box industries that required flexible thinking. You also built a sort of like an in-house creative agency. Can you talk about that? So when I came to Anywhere, there's already an in-house creative studio that is part of the offering that we have for agents and brokers. And it's a way to give a value 
to our network of agents and brokers, regardless of, of brand, who need marketing support to you know market to their sphere of influence, to get leads, all, all of those things. And so what we've been doing in the studio in the past year or so is evolving and transforming that to really become a full service end-to-end digital marketing agency that goes beyond creative and includes media buying and testing and research and is done in a way that is fully connected and digital first and that I can plug in in smart ways to my own measurement and analytic system so that as an added additional added value eventually to agents and brokers, we're not only able to give them best-in-class creative and best-in-class marketing support, but we're also able to give them analytical reports and results on what this is doing for their business. And at the end of the day, the business of residential real estate, like many others, agents and brokers are small business owners. They want to know that where they're spending their money is actually having an impact driving their business. And so there's this unique opportunity for this agency, this in-house agency that we're restructuring and rebuilding to be that for agents and brokers and provide that level of transparency. And I think marketing power that they need and that they want. Yeah, that's really cool. Okay, let's get to our final segment here, the desktop. Uh-oh, here comes trouble. You may have heard that there was a dust-up involving yours truly. And now we've got a wild scrum with fights breaking out all over the place. And it is getting really ugly as we've got punches and kicks. This is where we talk about healthy tension, whether that's with your board, your sales teams, your competitor, or anyone else in your career that you've had a dust-up with. Have you had a memorable dust-up? So I have. And I've told this story, I think, once before in a public setting. So I'll tell you here, Ian. In my first role at Standard & Poor's, where I mentioned earlier I was an analyst, I was pretty miserable. It was just not the right life path for me. And I knew it. And I think everyone else knew knew it. But it was also really the beginning of email in a business setting. Mm -hmm. And so... I did not really understand how email worked really fully. And there was a lot of room for for error. And so on a particular day, I was especially frustrated. And my very good friend also worked with me on the same team at S&P. And I thought I was sending her an email saying something to the effect of like, you know, I wish my boss would like disappear off the face of the earth and like go play in traffic. It was something really horrible and bad and terrible coming out of the mind of a 22 year old that had just graduated college. It was really miserable, really miserable at the job. And so I actually wasn't emailing my friend. I emailed it to my supervisor. And so imagine it was like out of Ferris Bueller's day off, like level comedy, I mean, the the hysteria that ensued when I realized that, and then my friend and I are thinking about how are we going to like unsend it? How are we going to get onto her computer and delete it? What are we going to do? It was pretty chaotic for the next several hours. To make a long story short, we couldn't do anything about it. It was sent. She did see it. And the next morning I came in prepared because I just knew that something terrible was going to happen. And so I had this quite unpleasant conversation with HR 
And it ended up being the the beginning of my separation from that role, which interestingly was a relief and also a blessing in disguise. Like that was the feeling that I felt because it gave me the freedom and the permission to leave this role that, you know, everyone said was a great opportunity for me and go pursue something else, which ultimately landed in, which ultimately landed me in the business that I'm in now, which I love and absolutely enjoy for the next 20 something years after that incident. And so, you know, gifts come in weird packages sometimes. And that, that, right. <laughs> that, that came very strange dust up package, but I, I, I take it as a learning lesson. It's a, it's a thing I share a lot when I mentor and it's just, you know, sometimes, you know, the universe has a plan for you. And here we are talking about this 20 something years later. (laughs) That is crazy, right? You know, every time a door closes, a window opens, as they say. That's right. That is awesome. Well, it has been absolutely wonderful chatting with you today. Any other sort of thoughts on final thoughts here on on marketing, on pipeline, or your work at anywhere? Yeah. So I think that the industry is at a point of inflection. And the role of marketing is being defined and redefined every day, all of the time across industries. You can you know, do a poll right now, look at 10 different job descriptions for a CMO, and you'll see 10 really different jobs, right? Described on on the sheet. There's no real consensus of what this function does or what this function is supposed to do for any business. And I think that starts from the CEOs and boards and even marketers not having an agreement on a point of view there. And so given all of that, uncertainty, redefinition, reimagination, et cetera, that is happening in real time, we have this unique opportunity to turn marketing into what it properly should be, which is a high power growth engine that drives business forward and reacts and responds in really smart ways to the landscape, the ecosystem, the customer, and the culture in which we're operating as industry. And so the closer that we can get to understanding and thinking of ourselves first as business leaders, and then as functional marketing experts, the further along we will get to making that connection and that integration happen at the highest levels of our organization. The biggest challenge that I still think that we have and that I still think we need to address is taking this moment to redefine this role and making sure that what we are doing and what we do every day thereafter is truly aligned with our CEOs and our CFOs and are all in service of the overall business agenda and the ROI goals of our organization, period, full stop. I love it. I can't believe our time here is over. I could go on and on. Thanks again for for joining us. It's been it's been awesome. Esther Mariah, you're just a wonderful marketer. And thank you to you. Thank you to our friends at Qualified. Turn a website into a pipeline generation 
machine. Go to qualified.com, gauge more visitors, book more meetings, and drive more pipeline right on your website. Go to qualified.com to learn more. EM, any final thoughts? Anything to plug? Anything to plug? No. Final thoughts? Yes. To all of my marketing colleagues and friends and folks aspiring to come into this business, this is the moment. Seize it, understand the business, learn business language, and get a seat at the table. Because once we are there, the impact that we can have on revenue and growth will be known, will be felt, and it will be huge for this industry and for our discipline. Awesome. Thanks so much and take care. Thanks again to our friends at Qualified.com, a conversational sales and marketing platform that transforms the way B2B companies sell. Go to Qualified.com to learn more.